that's crazy that like that's a few years away for us so i'm Ew, like they're early 30s like you know you're kind of mature and now i, I look know. around and i'm like is there an adult present yeah. <laughs> seriously <laughs> do i still need to call a babysitter for yeah myself? Friends by Accident, podcast hosts on purpose. This is what you get when two Canadian women who come from completely different backgrounds serendipitously meet in a Brooklyn apartment. So since this is our first episode, we thought we'd explain why we're starting this podcast in the first place. In a time where conversations and identities can be so polarizing, we want to find the humor and connection that comes from our differences. So throughout the podcast, we'll often bring up the fact that we come from different backgrounds and we wanted to explain what that really means. So we thought our first episode could dive into what makes us different from our neighborhood identities to our cultural upbringings. We're going to share how those experiences have shaped us into the women we are today. We are so excited to have honest and open-hearted conversations, and we hope that you can relate to our very imperfect growth, especially throughout our 20s. And if Mm -hmm. you can't, no problem. At least you can laugh along with us. This is Accidental Friends with Aline Degin and Kristen Mandela. Okay, you ready? I'm so ready. Ah, Okay, first episode. Oh, so exciting. Okay, so let's just start it off. Let's do like a very high level overview of our backgrounds because okay. I, I think that's an important way to start this off. Yeah, like a little Coles Notes elevator pitch of who exactly. we are. Exactly. So I, Aline, I'm Armenian. I come from a pretty, I guess, traditional cultural background. Um, I wasn't allowed sleepovers until I was about 16. I had a curfew that was earlier than my brother's based on the sole fact that I was a girl and he was a boy. And um, I don't think I touched alcohol until I was like 17 or 18. And now I'm 29, living in downtown Toronto without a husband, much to the dismay of the Armenian community. Um, And I'm starting a brand new career. So that's where I'm at. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. So I, on the other hand, am 29 years old as well. I live in downtown Toronto, different area than Aline, unfortunately. And I work as a sustainability consultant for my own company that I created called The Greener Good. And then I'm also a part-time barista. I grew up in a very different neighborhood. I grew up in a predominantly white upper middle class neighborhood um, in Toronto to a blended family consisting of a stepbrother, a half sister, a brother, and with parents who were both remarried and all of which were pretty progressive. So right off the bat, pretty different. (laughs) I I would say so. I feel like right then and there, you can see just like how different we are but yeah um now that we can kind of already see some of those you know like cultural differences where did you grow up what did your life look like as a kid okay so I grew up in a nice neighborhood as I said I was really lucky but I think as when you're a kid you don't have anything else to compare to so it was just my life you know what I mean yeah um my parents divorced when I was quite young so I split my time between my mom and my dad they both remarried or got with their current partners pretty young as well so I grew up with four parents basically which is pretty awesome to be Mm -hmm. honest I give a lot of credit to both my parents and both of my step-parents and how they handled everything. I don't really remember any fights or any drama or anything like that. I remember a few of my friends at the time, like in elementary school, whose parents were also going through divorces. And it was like the mom wouldn't drop off the kids like out front of the new house. Like they would have to walk oh. a block because they wouldn't even like look at each other type of thing. Oh my and my gosh. parents were always like especially in front of us, never said a rude word in front of each other um, Aww, or to nice. us, which was really great. So I never felt conflicted between the two, I guess, yeah. in a way. 
That's really Again, great. like so grateful for that because Such they were a pretty young. To your parents. They were like yeah. early 30s, man. Like <laughs> it was not an easy that's thing. That's crazy but that like that's a few years away for us. So I'm ew, like, they're early 30s. Like, you know, you're kind of mature. And now I, I look know. around and I'm, I'm like, like oh. is there an adult present? No. <laughs> Seriously. Do I still need to call a babysitter for yeah. myself? Um, so in retrospect, it was a really insular bubble, bubble yeah. in the really like in the neighborhood that I grew up in. And I basically went to elementary school, middle school, and high school all within walking distance of my house and grew up with the same people and f- who followed basically those same footsteps. And you were um, able to walk to school, right? Like by yourself? Yeah. So okay. yeah, incredibly. It was really lucky. So I, I grew up um, in a small kind of semi-detached house and it was uh, a half block away from my elementary school. And then it was like a 10-minute walk to my middle school. And then I eventually moved houses and it was actually about a hundred meters from my high school but all within the same neighborhood so I was always walking distance um and was walking home and to and from school alone ever since I was a kid wow so that was really great and I think stuff like that early on really sowed the seeds for early independence I think it was like you know when people have jokes about their kids when they're like oh like she was always like this or uh, they were always like that I feel like that was kind of the running joke with me is that I went to like sleepaway camp for the first time when I was nine. Like I was super Holy just gung ho <laughs> to kind of do my own thing. Um, it's wild. I know. It, it, and it follows like a pattern throughout my whole life, obviously, yeah. of me doing that. But um, background wise, obviously, like you grew up Armenian. I grew up as like a white Canadian for all, mm-hmm. for, for whatever that means. But what was really interesting and something that I've reflected a lot on, especially in our conversations just casually, was that... So my mom is of Scottish and Irish uh, descent and then my dad is Sicilian and French Canadian. And for whatever reason, I really held on to the Sicilian part of my identity. I think it's a little cringy because I thought it, I think at face level, I thought it was more exotic. So I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm like, like I'm twitching Italian. as I I'm hear Sic- that word exotic. Oh my, like the number of times I've been called exotic. Oh, I cannot. Like, I don't. It's really is, cringy. And honestly, mean? I want to apologize. I do. It's really bad. But I was a child at the time. And no, I think it, it yeah, really goes totally. into when we're so young, we want um, like we want the culture, we want the cool things, but without any of the prejudice or any of the hardship that comes yes. along with it. You know yeah. what I mean? Not that I'm yeah. saying that to be Italian is like a person of color. Like, you know, what I, I'm not getting into that conversation, but I think it goes into like, yeah being attracted to things that like a differentiating seem, di- seem factor different. like something yeah right but then it stops at whenever you get treated different <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I definitely was like a walking talking example of that and it, I don't think it was because I was not um like proud of my mom's side of the heritage I think it also was a way for me to feel closer to my dad I think like when you have divorced yeah. parents there's probably an element of that in there and also I look physically a lot more like my dad and my oh, skin really? tone is exactly like my dad so he has very olive skin he he looks quite like Mediterranean he gets really dark mm-hmm. in the summers and stuff and so did I and then nobody else on my mom's side of the family they're all very fair skin so I think that played into it first like a lot but I think it was a way for me to feel different in like a very homogenous like, neighborhood where everyone looked white. And I was like, yes. I have something different about me. I'm actually me. Italian. I'm so. actually, uh, yeah, exactly. So as cringy as it is, I can see little Kristen thinking through that process. <laughs> but it, it is pretty cringy and honestly like a little bit embarrassing. But that that's where I was coming at from, from a young age. And I think I never felt super tied to a particular culture. Like I think – yeah. My papa growing up, he had a garden in the back and he would make his own pesto and he would do stuff like that. But oh, I that never really so associated good. it with, yeah, but I never associated it particularly with being Italian because there was never any other elements. It was just like, yeah. I think he, that was his way of feeling close to his yeah. 
home, but it wasn't really necessarily tied. He wasn't bringing that back into like family stories or anything like that. Right, right, right. So I felt pretty separate from anything. Um, But I obviously felt like there was a hole missing that I was trying to fill it with. (laughs) Honestly, it was probably just for attention. Like, let's be real. Um, And like the (laughs) most, this makes me laugh. But I remember in first year, I wanted to take an Italian class in university. And I was like, I'm going to walk in there and it's going to like the Italian it's just like gonna flow out of you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me. You're just gonna and be I, seeping pasta sauce. Exactly. And I remember the Italian teacher, bless her, called on me to pronounce <laughs> something in front of the entire class, and I froze. And I literally said, like, I don't even know what happens, but like, it was the most white. Yeah. It was just like the coldest <laughs> sounding word for such a beautiful thing I could have said, and I was mortified. I think I got like a C plus in that class, and I never went back. But basically, that's how, that I'm as white as white bread. <laughs> And much that, to much to my the disappointment of my younger self. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn, uh, little Kristen is really pissed. <laughs> yeah, she's not happy right now. No, she's not happy. <laughs> but what about you? Because yours obviously was very different. And I know yeah. English wasn't even your first language, which is so, amazing. I, I, like, I say English wasn't my first language because I guess it wasn't. But I don't remember being like, you know, it was so small. So I grew up in Toronto, Ontario, like born and raised here. So I went to a private... Armenian school when uh growing up up until the uh grade four so like what are you like eight nine or something yeah basically um so I was really really surrounded by Armenians growing up like Mm. that's kind of all I knew and I say that Armenian was my my first language and I guess English was my second language because later on pretty recently I guess my mom told me a story of how we used to go to these like work events with her And so when my brother and I, I was probably about like three, I don't know, how old are you when you're speaking? I guess like three, two, three. three. So um, we were at this event. And so my parents would always speak to us in Armenian before we went to school. Because obviously when we eventually go to school, we're going to learn English really fast. We're going to be surrounded by it. So this woman came up to her and said, you know, speak to your kids in Arme- speak to your kids in English. You're in Canada, blah, blah, blah. And my mom's like, what are you talking about? Like, Literally, they're not even in school. Yeah. yeah. Chill. Back the heck up. But also, like, chill out. They're going to go to school yeah. and they're going to learn English anyway. Right. And so also, even like, if they weren't, none of your business. Literally. Yeah, it's all, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I guess, like, that's that's how I found out that Armenian was technically my first language. My grandparents mm. always spoke it. Um, my aunt and uncle, like it was, I was really surrounded by it. Right. And um, we, my, I look back now and my parents do really have like a diverse group of friends, but even at the time they made friends with um, the parents at the school. So right. that's why like I was really surrounded by Armenians. We'd go to picnics every year. We'd spend time with them. We'd gone on vacations with other Armenian families. Mm. Um, so I didn't really have friends of any other race until I moved sco- elementary schools in grade five. Wow. Um, and I went to like a public Catholic school. Okay. Um, I actually like my private Armenian school. I think there was like 80 of us up until grade six from like nursery to grade six. And I spent all the way. I spent like nursery to grade four with the same six kids, like literally the same six children. And then in grade three, so for grade three and four, three new kids came in and we were like, who are these? Yeah, we're like, like, there's there's other children other than just the six Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's wild. So it was just like, it kind of slowly showed that, I don't know, there's like life outside. I mean, I, I did like dance and karate and stuff. So I 
was introduced to other people, obviously very early on, but I wasn't friends with them. They weren't part mm-hmm. of my, you know, like regular, regular yeah. life. Yeah. So little bubble. Yeah. My little bubble. So because I also grew up bilingual, this is like, I, I can't believe I was the snobby, but like I genuinely thought that if like you, for example, if I met you in elementary school and you told me that you were Italian, I would automatically assume that you spoke and understood the language. I just thought everyone grew up like this. So if you told me that you didn't speak it or that you didn't understand it, I'd be like, you're not I would have had my existential crisis much earlier, you're saying. Much (laughs) earlier. I would have brought you right back down to earth. Honestly, that probably would have been for the best. (laughs) Like so mean. No, I, but I mean, I think it speaks to the fact that we – like the reasons why we hold on to this heritage. You know what I mean? Like yeah. is it just to – for like cool points or are you doing it because you want to like feel closer? Not that I'm saying – I think you can feel very close to your culture and your heritage. Totally. And have respect for it without speaking the language necessarily. But I think that's an interesting thing that you thought as a it kid. Just was, like, it just was what I thought. It was like every Armenian that I knew sp- spoke it, understood mm. it, and then also spoke English. There was like not really many that I – you know, that many that people that I that knew category. that didn't fall into that category. Yeah. Right. So even I, I also like it just goes to show I was like this Armenian school like kind of sheltered me to the point that when I went to this like public Catholic school, a kid from my Armenian school came with me and right. he switched his name to Joe. And so everyone okay. would call him Joe and his name was Dikran in Armenian. And right. so I'd always um, I'd always like when I'd see him, you know, at recess or whatever, I'd call him Diko. Like that was just our nickname for him. Okay. And so when people would be like, what are you talking about? Diko, Diko, his name is Joe. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's Dikran. Mm-hmm. And like, obviously not thinking. And so a bunch of like kids that don't speak Armenian, they're like, Dikran. I'm like, <gasps> I oh ruined God. this child's life. Literally. Oh my God. I felt Pay so. For his therapy bills. Pretty much. Yeah. Like, damn. It just was, I was like, oh my God. Okay. So, so clearly not everyone understands. Like this what is going on here (laughs) what's going on in like my culture but um I think that's kind of when I started to realize that even too that I was like a little bit I I was growing up a little bit different like I'd hear of kids having like sleepovers and Mm -hmm. um and like hanging out that way and I couldn't do that like the only sleepover I was allowed was sleeping over at the at the house of one of the girls that I knew from my Armenian school and it's not even just my parents knew her from my Armenian school. Our grandmas knew each other from back home too. So right. like we've known each other for, I guess, technical generations. Right. So it's like there's so much trust there yeah. to even do that. Um, but if you like met a friend on the playground and then you're like, oh, we want to have a sleepover party, that would be something that would No, be- that would just never be. That wouldn't oh, have okay. been allowed. Yeah, right. that would just, my parents would like have to call their parents and figure out like what's going on, who's going to be there, names, dates, addresses, right. like everything. Um, my mom was very involved in my, like I say very involved in the fact that she was on every single class field trip ever. Bless her, Like sweetheart. ever, or if kids wanted to go to the mall or wanted to go to Wonderland, I couldn't go with another, I would not go with another parent. I don't know if it was now looking back, I'm like, is it because the other parents just wouldn't do it or they didn't care about a chaperone? But my mom was like, I have to be there to chaperone or to make right. sure that there is a chaperone. Mm. Um. Yeah, so that's kind of where my childhood went. And then, you know, moving into high school, I actually, like, I chose to go to an all-girls school, an all-girls Catholic school, because I just, like, I didn't want to deal with uniforms, and I didn't want to deal with boys, and, and, like, getting dressed and getting ready every day, and all that stuff. I mean, I think that's fair. Yeah, like, we had a date, we had a a phrase, like, growing up that you don't date until you're married, which kind of sounds really funny, but also, like, I mean... When you've like grown up with that, it's just like ingrained in you. So I didn't even like date in high school at Mm. all. I just kind of thought it was 
pointless. Like I had curfews um, when other people didn't. So it was like, I really noticed that I wasn't able to do things that other kids were able to do. Right. Like (laughs) there's one story that I've like talked to my parents about too, but I wanted to go to the movies. I had, I got my license and I wanted to go to the movies. I'd always have a curfew until like 11. Right. And, um, I was like, I really want to go to the movies with this like childhood friend from my Armenian school. And so we were going to see the curious case of Benjamin Button. Have not seen it. Yeah. Neither have. have, Yeah. Neither have I apparently. Oh, goodness. Okay. So um, (laughs) I go to this like movie and I'm like, please, can I go? I'm going with this like childhood Armenian friend, her older cousin. So I'm thinking like, we're good. You know, no brainer, baby. Yeah. No brainer. The movie is like, I think like three, three and a half hours long. And I'm like, no, texting it is not. My... Oh, no wonder. Yeah, it's seen huge. It. <laughs> yeah, it's so, so long. And I'm like texting my parents throughout being like, guys, please, like whatever, this and that. I'm sure it's going to end soon. My dad texts me at 12 or 12, 15 being like, how much longer is left in the movie? And I'm like, I don't know. I think there's still a little bit left. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, I'll text you. I think probably 1230 I should be out. 1230 hits and I'm not out of there. And he's like, I don't care. I'm coming to get you. And I have driven to the movie theater. So he would have to drive to the movie theater. So the movie theater is in a different car and then in a different car. So he drove to the movie theater and I had to leave the movie like half hour, 45 minutes early. And he tailed me home. Like he drove half an hour to the movie theater. It was the Silver City up in Richmond Hill. He drove there. I and he was like, I'm not you. No, you're not waiting until this movie's over. Like get in the car and drive home. And I literally drove home with him tailing me home. Oh my goodness. I was like 17. Yeah, 17 because I had got my license. <laughs> so like, do you see the... Okay, I'm this seeing is, it. Yeah, I'm just like really trying to paint a picture. And of it's like, so sweet because they care so much. They care it's so, so much. Yeah, it's not, it's not coming from a place of like... And you're not like ungrateful for it. Like no. I, I think you really in a way is... It seem it seems like I mean I know you have a wonderful relationship with yeah both I have your parents, such a so great you're not relationship like, with them I'm not you're I, like I don't my life. <laughs> no it was never I I was never even that teenager because I guess I just never even thought that that was a possibility to be like an angsty teen I was like you yeah. don't you don't say that like you don't talk yeah. back to them that's not a right. thing. And then so. I was over here like slamming doors in my mom's <laughs> face being like, if you don't do this right now, <laughs> oh, I was an absolute catastrophe i really i really pushed it yeah yeah yeah. i pushed the limit well i mean i feel like that's normal though like that is so i don't know i don't know i think it's normal for white kids i don't know if it's normal for everybody i think maybe maybe yeah like we would have just that just would have never that that, yeah that just would have never happened like you would never even have the thought to act like that ever in my house um. <laughs> and it's so funny because we literally only grew up probably if we were driving from each other's homes, like childhood homes, it would be yeah. like maybe a 20, 25 minute drive. Yeah, not far. We were not very far from each other. No. But our experiences, especially as young people, couldn't have been much more different. And I also I feel like you didn't have a lot of people in your friend group that were like me and then vice versa. I didn't have a lot of yeah. people from my group that were like being parented particularly differently. Right. Like I feel like it was, again, pretty homogenous. So I didn't even know how different or how lucky or how privileged my yeah. childhood was i always knew it was an amazing childhood but i didn't have anything to compare it to to be like wow this was really i was really incredibly yeah. lucky yeah but do you feel like obviously a lot has changed now we're both 29 and we're in very different places in our life but do you think anything like what do you think has changed since you became an adult what what, what in your identity and how you view your family and everything like that how has that changed i think, think that like it kind of started to change a little bit 
Um, because in high school too, my girlfriends now that I have, like we, our parents were similar. So like, mm. again, I didn't really think like it, it was the other kids that were like having the sleepovers and stuff like that. It wasn't really my friend's parents that were like that. So I right. kind of really thought it was normal. And then in grade, right before um, grade 12, the summer before I went to Paris um, to get my grade 12 French credit. And I was luckily able to go because an Armenian girl two years older than me went two years prior. So she kind of like set the stage up and um, I went with a school program and everything. And so I I slowly started to see, you know, like my parents trusting me with with that stuff. I see. Um, and then it really started to change for me when I went away for university. I went to Ryerson mm. in my first year. And then went to Western in my second. I transferred. My mom went to Western too. So she was like all for the change. She's like, go for it. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So and she grew up in a house like way more strict than me. So for her, it was like free, dumb. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. cannot get more free than this. She like had her Amazing. car there. It just was the stories that I hear now are, are really um, traumatic <laughs> to know that she had a life. But um it really was really different because like that was when I first started to see that, you know, like people, I guess like they do drugs and they like sleep they around. They do. They definitely do. And I was so terrified. My first weekend at Western, my roommate, this white girl from Chatham, Ontario, brings a guy home from the bar and not doesn't even know him, doesn't know him at all. And so we used to share a wall. So I was like, oh, my God, this you're bringing some stranger into our home and he's going to murder me. He's going to murder you. You're not worried about slut shaming. You're not worried. No, 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 no. Live your life. You're worried about murder. I'm worried about murder. You don't know this man. You don't know where he's come from. And so he (laughs) is going to kill us all. Too much CSI. Yeah, I don't know. I was just I I guess I grew up terrified. But he. I, I couldn't sleep all night. Like, I literally no. did not sleep. And then I heard him shuffling around at, like, 5, 5.36. And I heard him getting up to leave. And I was like, holy fuck, I'm next. Like, he's killed Thinking her. that your roommate and, is dead. Okay. Yes. So he's going to come into my room. So I literally stood up and, like, walked to my door and started slowly locking the door because I didn't want him to know that I was onto him. Like, that's okay. that's how fucked my brain i was like this man is gonna just kill us like why would you go to some stranger's house so you're not you're not calling 911 you're not no 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 you're just like i'm gonna save myself in this i'm gonna save myself slowly lock this little deadlock yeah it's tiny it's not even it's like one of those like that's on the door handle itself so it's like what's that really gonna do he can break it with a bobby pin that he probably stole from my dead roommate's bedroom i haven't slept anything but i'm like (laughs) i'm i'm up and i'm amped you know what i mean so (laughs) i mean just goes to show you that i was like oh my gosh that there's this like crazy world and i mean like me being an armenian girl at western which is like probably one of the whitest schools around confirmed yeah you know like i had i started to have like a lot of white friends in my undergrad and i kind of started slowly missing my armenian culture and like people that were like me so i started an armenian students associate association at western that's amazing Thanks. There was there they were all over. There was like some one at Ryerson, at U of T, McMaster, all these places, but there just wasn't one at Western. So you started a chapter at Western. I started a chapter, but I slowly realized there was only like, I don't know, like six or seven of us in the mm-hmm. group. There okay. just wasn't even and it just goes to show you that there weren't even many Armenians that went away for school or like went to mm. a school like Western that has this connotation of being a party school and and blah yeah. blah blah. I like 
I don't know. It just kind of showed it's, you know, it it's not just me. It's like other Armenians that are growing up like this too. Right. And I really was never ashamed. I've never been ashamed of growing up in a strict household. I don't think no, my parents were. No, you greet were, it with a lot of humor and with like a lot of gratitude, which I have, yeah. I've always loved that. I just you. think it's, it's almost like they prepped me. And then as soon as they hit a certain point, they were like, okay, we fully trust you to do whatever the hell you want. Like we've, you know what I mean? Like now. It may have taken you to get to 25. It may have taken me to get to 25 and like living in New York on my own. But like, hey, let's, you know, we're there. Now we're there. For sure. And so like, I mean, I guess to a point, I kind of feel like I would treat my kids the same way. That's amazing. I know. Like maybe with a little bit more trust along the way. But right. You know, who knows? Like, who knows what you'll be Probably a little bit less like gender inequity, maybe potentially. And I mean, their strictness, like they're not even their strictness, but their protectiveness, like went into went into adulthood. I mean, I'd go out to like clubs and bars and instead of taking a taxi home or an Uber home, my dad would come pick me up at one thirty, two o'clock in the morning. Like, no, he would not. He'd I drive all you, the way down. He's so he'd drive north. all the way down and he would I and I would have to be texting and being like, OK, come get me at one thirty. And this poor man, I'd be like, oh, I don't want to be the first ones of my friend to leave. So he'd sit outside in his car. If I <gasps> and if I was like, oh, it's 1.30, I'm going to come out. And I wouldn't come out till like 1.45, 2 o'clock and be like, sorry, I was just saying bye to my friends. And he's like, okay. And like, thing. Okay, drive me when home. you're rich and famous, you need to buy him like a boat he's, or something. They're an angel. Like this is what I'm saying that like they're <laughs> angels. Like I can't wow. even be mad about how I've grown up because it's not like they were strict. There's such a and deep love though. There's that's such so a deep, deep love and that's protectiveness nuts. that it's yeah. like- you know, like that's kind of that's kind of it. And then New yeah. York, obviously, like I, I remember telling a girl in my class, we were talking about like growing up in strictness. And I was like, yeah, this is how I grew up. And she was like, really? That's so messed up. And I was like, actually, like, I don't really think it's that messed up. Yeah, like, like chill. That's, yeah, I'm fine. Right. <laughs> Worry about But yourself. she probably like hasn't messaged her mom in like two weeks or something. <laughs> she probably yeah. has like a very different relationship with her yeah. mom, which is also totally fine if she's doing Totally well, fine, but it's like, I'm not telling you that your like childhood yeah, was don't, messed like, up. Put like put on me yeah. or something. <laughs> I mean, I, w- I grew up in a strict household and now I'm fucking funny as hell. So. Yeah, that's how I have a personality, guys. That's how I have a personality, <laughs> you guys. It's all the trauma. <laughs> I got a personality from being ugly in middle school. We yeah. all have our things, you know what oh, I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I was that as well. So it's like really the oh, compounded that's effect. That's why you're so funny. Yeah, it's okay. really the compounded effect. I I had to you heard it here personality. First, guys. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was no way you were ever going to be vapid. There was too much stacked up for you to get a personality. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, exactly. I couldn't, I couldn't go on my looks alone. Yeah, 100 um, percent. But it's crazy. Like I think about it and I'm like, even when I'm tra- when I'm traveling, I tell people I'm Canadian. But at home in Canada, I always say I'm Armenian. It's always so just, interesting. Yeah, I'll never I, I've never told a person in Canada that I'm Canadian. I always say I'm Armenian. It's well, just- there was one story actually that I remember this specifically happening where we were in New York together and mm. you said that you were Canadian instead of saying that you are Armenian. And it caused yeah. like a weird. Yeah, like the guy, guy was, was such very an, confrontational. Oh, yeah, he was such an ass. We were at this at the Luna Loft, which we'll do an episode on our yeah, shenanigans in New story. York. But we were we were having like such a great time, and then this guy came into the apartment who just totally killed the vibe. He yeah. was brutal. He, he was, was a, he was, you know what it, he was? He was the absolute worst dude, like the, de- <laughs> the, de- the devil's advocate dude. Sorry, not to, like, I'm he sure he's fine. He was the absolute worst but, human. Like, but the worst kind of guy to come into yeah. a party when we were like yeah. having like really great, super like emotional, fun conversations. Yeah. Like we were all like dancing and whatever. And he comes in and he, he was like, oh, let me play devil's advocate for a oh. second. And like that kind of thing. That was his energy. Yeah, it was brutal. And he, 
ended up asking one of our friends, Rob. Who we love dearly. Who we love dearly. Asked him, what's her background? And pointed to me when I was basically sitting right next to the guy. You were like, sitting closer to him than, you, than he was to Rob. Yeah. And he still pointed at her and asked, he you, pointed the, pointed at me and asked you and asked him the question. Asked Rob, what's her background? And Rob was like, oh, she's Canadian. And he said, no, she's not. Obviously, look at her. What's her background? And Rob turned to me and said, you were born in Canada, right? And I said, yeah. And he goes, you were raised in Canada? And I said, yeah. And he goes, so she's Canadian. And the guy just like didn't. Wasn't computing. He's like, wait, but she's not white. (laughs) Yeah, it's it was. I mean, he's the worst type of human, but yeah. um, But he got quite confrontational. But I feel like it leads into that whole idea of like being like ambiguously ethnic and how somebody's just like i want to know what you are and it's like really it's none of your business in the first place i even get that term all the time the ethnically ambiguous like as an actor too like i remember having meetings with agents that signed me on purely for the fact that like we don't have somebody that looks like you you're ethnically ambiguous you can play italian you can play spanish and oh, i'm like goodness. why don't you just hire a fucking italian person or like a yeah. spanish you know hey, what i I'm mean actually like casting <laughs> yeah like <laughs> um which brings me to my next point my part yeah. my new role no i'm kidding yeah but, exactly um it just it, like I've, I've heard that term so many times and i'm like okay it's because you guys don't want to put in the effort to understand like the who or what between... an armenian is yeah, yeah like yeah, there's yeah. not you know, and that's changing, but that's also a whole other conversation. Um, so yeah, I think like as it's changed, I almost like went away from my Armenian culture and then Mm. I've now slowly migrated back, migrated back. And, you know, like with everything that was, was going on in Armenia back in October, November, and I guess still is happening, but I like it, my identity has grown stronger and it like has, pushed me that I really want to keep this culture alive and the language alive so I can pass all that on to my kids and like you know future generations and families and stuff so yeah um it it, like it really has like gone up and down but it's uh it's pretty cool that is really cool I like that it's kind of been this return back and this like appreciation back to where you grew up it's like you leave it to expand and learn about other people but it's and then you just kind of take that back and you now have this like new appreciation for your own culture for sure and I think that's super healthy and I think that's yeah yeah I I love that I think that's great so I've had basically the exact opposite experience I was just gonna say I'm like how has it changed for you do you still consider yourself strictly Italian okay spoiler (laughs) alert no and I'm cringing at myself for even like trying to hold on to like one quarter of like my identity to try to seem different but I also I sympathize with the younger version of myself obviously yeah I think now that I'm older, I'm definitely more critical of my whiteness in general. I'm more critical or just at least more aware of my privilege and how I grew up, especially now that I have done so much traveling. I worked as an international tour guide throughout Central and South America once I graduated university, which I also was able to do because my parents helped me with my education, like every aspect of my education. So I graduated debt free, which I'm incredibly, incredibly grateful for. Um, But I think the one kind of huge disruptor to this bubble that I had growing up was when I went as you mentioned before I went to Kenya when I was 16 <laughs> lol which just kills me yeah so I didn't get hired back to this camp I'd been going to camp like I said since I was nine years old and then every summer it kind of went up so I went from one week to two weeks and then from two weeks to, to the full month and then eventually yeah. the full summer I was up at camp I had applied to work at the camp I didn't get hired back which was like for a 16 year old a very deep existential crisis because I actually was like I'm gonna work here until I'm 50 and then I had my whole like life planned out around being at this camp for the rest of my life 
But me and my other friend, Nina, didn't get hired back. So we were like, okay, if they're all of our friends from childhood are going to go back to this camp, we have to have like the best summer ever. So we looked into volunteer trips. Cool. And one of them was to Kenya. And although I will acknowledge off the bat that I think volunteerism, if not done very specifically or even at all, really is incredibly problematic. I think trips like this are formatted strictly for the experience of the young, almost exclusively white folks that get to go and like become culture vultures of like, oh, wow, look at these poor, beautiful Kenyan children. And I get to take all these cool pictures. And now it's going to be my Facebook profile picture and and whatever. And I think it really becomes about you. Yeah, well, of course, it really, really reinforces that white savior complex of like, oh, they couldn't do this on their own. So I'm here to do construction, (laughs) a hundred pound 16 year old who doesn't understand any mechanics of anything and can barely hold a fucking hammer i'm gonna go in and i'm gonna build a house like jesus the ego of it all it just makes me absolutely like shrivel into a raisin with cringe but it was important i think strictly and i'm saying without take away all the problematic aspects of it which are 100 there and 100 relevant for me as an experience it was it shaped the person that i became solely because i lived in such a bubble that it's on it's embarrassing to say but i really didn't know how other people were living I didn't understand any of those things and although I went to camp with people that were like different socioeconomic statuses and different um like physical or even like neuro um neurotypical like they're ever our camp was super inclusive and it ran with a bunch of different programs which was amazing but I didn't understand just how lucky and just how privileged and easy my life was so when I went to Kenya and I was living in like a camp Uh, that was just outside of this small community and all these different things it was almost too much for my little 16 year old brain and all of that white savior nonsense in it like I think it was just so much for me to to digest and so much like how in so much that like it was run by two people that were in their early 20s that definitely did not Mm -hmm. have I I don't think they had necessarily the, the capacity to maybe guide us through what we were seeing and experiencing yeah and I think the heaviness of the reverse culture shock that I experienced and the heaviness of the privilege guilt and shame that I had when I came home was so I won't say debilitating but it definitely was destabilizing okay I came back and I was so angry I remember I asked my my mom in an email to not have any family around because I knew after like 20 hours of travel I was going to be like a shell of myself and I was also like having a hard time even coming home because I was like I don't even want to be back at home like I was so embarrassed and so um yeah, I was so upset about just I kind of felt almost it sounds silly. But again, I was 16. I felt betrayed by my parents that they didn't equip me better and show me how hard it is for the majority of the people in the world. And it's, I felt which honestly, is wild because then in your parent, like I think about your parents perspective and they're just trying to protect you from of course, from everything oh God, else no. and like give you the yeah, best, which is but like I completely understand but being 16 and not having yeah I, I don't think I had the language to fully yeah. express what I was feeling so I went internal and that just kind of built up into anger and resentment mm-hmm. and frustration so like the smallest things would set me off and I would be in tears or I would just be like shaking honestly it was such a visceral physical thing for me like where we'd go for brunch and if people left food on their table like a food on the uh, on their plate I would just be like how dare you like do you not know what I've like seen and blah 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 like it was just wow. this poverty point anyways it's so problematic looking back on it but I think I just I didn't have the capacity to to yeah filter, you were 16 to go, to, yeah to push through those feelings or not to push through them but to work through them really yeah and, and understand think, them yeah and I and I give a lot of credit to my family for being so incredibly patient with me throughout that time because again it took me to going to university and 
taking more courses that really challenged my perspective and challenged that the way that I was thinking because I went to school for international development. Yeah. And it really broke down a lot of that like white saviorness and all the ego that's often in charity work and stuff like that. And that was very helpful for me to kind of see the other side of it. But I think uh, as I've become older, I've let go of all, like a lot of that resentment and frustration. I think I still have a little bit of a weird relationship with money because of it. I used to think of money yeah. saving as only hoarding wealth from people that needed it. I didn't – it was black and white. I think when you're young too, your views are often black and yes. white. There's not a lot of nuance when you're young. It's like yeah. things are good or bad. You like this person or you hate this person. Yeah. I didn't. I definitely did not grow up with a lot of nuance in my own vocabulary. It was just mm-hmm. like things were good or bad. And now my life is filled with nuance where <laughs> things are very complicated. And yeah. I see my life with just so much more gratitude and appreciation. But I think I'm, I'm much more critical of now my thought pro- processes and like – I now understand wholeheartedly how important it is to to leave your bubble and to experience things it's differently. It's so important. Especially for white folks that live in privileged areas. I think it's mm-hmm. super important because I think that's how you kind of perpetuate stereotypes and a lot of misinformation when you don't have in-person conversations with people that look and sound and have experienced life differently from you. But and when I, I was even... able to... Tr- what Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying like I think my being able to travel, especially in different areas, allowed me to... I don't even think I needed to be to humanize other people necessarily, but I think that's what travel often does is it it allows you to see the humanity in every situation. You see the complications in every situation. Mm -hmm. And so when you see a headline from your cozy bed in Toronto, um, it it comes across much differently than when you're on the ground in a different area and you're understanding the complexities and again, the nuances of, of people's lives. You know what I mean? Things are never black and white. I think so what I was going to get at when you were saying um, just earlier of like you need to get out of your bubble and see other cultures. I don't I, I don't really think that strictly only applies to, you know, white people and versus like cultural, I guess, people that have like a strong cultural background, mm-hmm. um, because I, I know Armenians that have only grown up and I mean, like they have mm. only known Armenians their friends are Armenians, their spouses, their whatever. Everyone around right. them is Armenian. And so there's that's problematic as well because they right. almost get this like it's there's been Armenians that like they have a little bit of like a superiority thing and I actually remember right. I I, I came can see home what you're saying for sure. one summer from university and um I went to like a friend's house and I was talking to some of her family members and one of them said, oh, do you live with other Armenians? And I was like, no, like it's I live with like a Croatian girl um, and like th- an Italian girl and three white girls. Mm-hmm. And they were like, really? And I was like, yeah, and not like thinking anything of it. Mm-hmm. And he was shocked that I had Would friends who were time. an Armenian. Uh, and I was like, what? What do you like? I, and I found for you that it was obviously insane. had become the norm. Yeah, yeah. I was like, what do you mean? Like, I, I, I have a handful of friends that are Armenian now, but I don't think like why wouldn't you want to? But go you're not discriminating and, your friend group or who you spend time with based on their yeah. backgrounds, of course. So I yeah. think that it's kind of like you do that every every you know race. Everything has that. Like Armenians have that. I'm white sure people have that. Yeah. I'm sure. Italians I guess I can. I can only speak to my experience. Obviously, totally. which is yeah, just like yeah. super white, but. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think in general, as a human, being able to see beyond your own experience, yeah, of course, is a very humbling, and I just think it's a it's a it's an important process. It's such so I, an I important. completely agree with you. Yeah, I find it so interesting because, like, obviously, like we were saying, like I, I as I got older, like I veered closer to my culture and like had a little bit and almost like got more into it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you went further away. 
from it. Yeah, not maybe not necessarily further away, but I'm I'm viewing it for what it is, which is yes. like I'm I'm proud of my uh, my parents' heritage for however much you can be proud of a heritage that you have no control over. But of like I I'm, I'm definitely proud that I'm their their kin and their family and their like their daughter. But yeah. I'm definitely not trying to entrench myself in any type of identity that like right. makes me seem any less white than I am, if that yeah. makes sense. <laughs> yes, totally. But I'm like looking at it that, yeah, we have, I feel like this episode has really explained like how we're different and how mm-hmm. we've grown up so differently. But at the, and I had someone ask like, so then like what makes you guys friends? Like what, on what right. level are you friends? And really like at the foundational level, we really have a lot of the same beliefs and the same values Mm -hmm. and i think most importantly we just have this really strong mutual respect for the differences in opinion that we do have so when we do have conversations and i come it i come at it from one angle and you come at it from your from your angle we're not discounting the other person's experience we're just saying that it's different like it's yeah you know it's there yeah there's so much mutual respect you can have all these like cool discussions and these big discussions without any concern or worry that the other person is gonna judge you or think like that's weird what you or misinterpret my like for example if i was to say oh i'm gonna parent my kids hypothetically differently than how you've parented your kids i know that you would not interpret that as me thinking that you've you would parent your kids wrong or poorly or whatever i think it's just that's the absolute the exact opposite i was gonna say like of what i would mean Mm -hmm. but i know that you I know that you're taking what I'm saying at face value and not like internalizing it or taking it. You know what I mean? One hundred percent. Yeah, and I look I'm at it too for. that it just gives us a different perspective on things. I know that we've had a lot of conversations where I've come out of it being like, I never thought of it like that, mm-hmm. and maybe I need to expand the way I think or just look at it differently. So um, I think that's why I'm so excited to get into this podcast. Me too. Like that's I think really it's, what yeah. it's going to be about. 100%. And I think the more and more we're going to dive down, dive deep into different issues, like whether it's about like body hair or both of us like growing yeah. to self-love with our bodies or even like yeah. mental health. Like there's so many things that we want to talk about together because again, we have so many things that are aligned, but we came at them from such different such perspectives, different angles, yeah. such angles. And it took us very different things to get us to those places, which yeah. I think is so interesting. And now that we're in very similar places, it's like looking back on that road being like, how the hell did we both get to the same spot? I know. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I love it. So I'm excited. Me too. And I love you. And I love whoever's listening. I appreciate you so much. Yes, we thank you. Welcome. I love you, Aline. Love you. This has been Accidental Friends with Aline and Kristen. This podcast was created by us and produced by Chloe Jackson. Thank you so much for listening. You can check us out on our Instagram at Accidental Friends Podcast and our website, AccidentalFriendsPodcast.com. Don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review. We love you so much and see you next Thursday.